that. Coming up, focus on Korea and career growth. Uh, talking to um, our guest this um, this morning, that's Vumim Sueli, CEO of He Said Consulting. And uh, we're going to be focusing on, you know, career prospects, where you are, is it is it are you satisfied um are you fulfilled uh what to do what do what do we need to focus on and um they mainly zone into coaching women empowerment facilitation training on the african continent with presence in nigeria in south africa in botswana rwanda and affiliates in namibia and ghana it's quite interesting because i think we now need to spread our wings that that time has come there's no way out of this one because we can't sit and expect life to change without us having to make that move for me good to have you on jets at breakfast Good morning, good morning. It's lovely to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully after our conversation this morning, we may help someone see light at the end of the tunnel. So what what are the career prospects that are available out there? Um, there are a number of prospects. I suppose it depends on your background, your expertise, um, your, your, your academic qualifications. So there are a number of prospects that are available to um, to different uh, people across the country. And um, the prob- probability or the chance for future success in the profession. And I see that you're zoning into, you zone into different countries. Yes. So professional success, of course, is dependent on what your career strategy is, what your career ambitions are personally, and also your current, um, your current expertise. So some people are in the space where they're looking to potentially career transition, whilst other people are looking to completely pivot and go into different industries. So that's the probability of success is dependent on, um, your, of course, your own career strategy and where it is that you're wanting to be. And what is a you know, prospective career, really, if you were to break it down in layman's terms? A prospective career, in essence, is what potentially could be your career. So you could find yourself, you know, having been a medical doctor. And prospectively, you might say, actually, I want to now uh, go into entrepreneurship full time and leave medicine behind. Or I'd like to start engaging in the medical uh, fraternity in a different perspective, perhaps as a consultant as opposed to a clinician. So the prospect is your ability to potentially pivot, change or engage a different career. That's not exactly one of the easiest things to do. I think sometimes, you know, when you're sitting and thinking, I just, now I want to be a psychologist and yet I've been in media all my life. It will have to take a certain skill. Yes, so there are a number of things you need to consider. The first, of of course, is that expertise and that skills gap. What gap currently exists? How do you go about closing that gap? Is it an academic qualification? Is it a case of getting more experience and exposure, volunteering in that particular space? So it is dependent on the uh, the pivot or the transition that you are personally looking to make. And how do I get job prospects? What do you mean by getting job prospects? I mean, if, if somebody, look, let's say, for instance, I have to look for a good example here. Let's say someone is in their 20s. Chances are you can pivot quite easily. You can transition quite easily. And as you get older, your your your, your prospects sort of like shrink, especially let's say you're, you're now 45 or maybe 48, but you're still viable. 
and you would like to, to, to pivot. But the industry, for some strange reason, always looks at you as, look, your retirement is not too far off. So they would rather employ somebody who's 35. In that instance, when you are 45 or 48, how how so then do you navigate so it, it does depend on where you want to pivot to. So I found people actually in their late 40s find it a little bit easier to pivot because they've got more experience. So they've seen more things happening. So if you, for example, are in the, um, an industry, in the financial services industry, you've worked the majority of your life in the legal fraternity. But now you perhaps are wanting to pivot into something like business development or into something like compliance. Because you've had so much experience and exposure that can actually add value, you find that organizations are more willing to take you than a 25-year-old. So it does depend. It is completely dependent on your experience and, the, and what, what it is that you're looking to transition into from a job, from a job perspective perspective. Another thing that we're finding is um, new industries and startups where perhaps you may have spent the better half of, 20, of, of, of two decades, 20 years, working in one particular industry like, like financial services, but now you're wanting to uh, um, pivot into something like technology. Bringing that expertise will actually be to your, to your benefit. And even at 48, the average retirement age now in South Africa is over past 65. So that's still 20 years value that you're able to bring. So also finding ourselves with people who have a tenure of about three to five years average in an organization, I'm finding most HR executives aren't saying, listen, you're too old. It's not going to work because you're 48. I'm finding them say the, the value that you're able to bring could add value for at least the next three to five years. Mm. And you also um, specialize in empowering women and, and, you know, facilitating training basically on the Afri African continent. How do you empower these women? So there are a number of ways. We have one-to-one -one coaching where we work with an individual usually for a 10-month period to get them from where they are in their careers to where it is that they want them to be. We work, we work in different sectors, so things like financial coaching, looking at how they're engaging their finances, their career coaching, their strategy and how they're able to um, really get people to sponsor them and rally around them in getting their, and achieving their career goals. So that's one-on-one -on -one coaching. We also have the Career Acceleration Program, which is a two-month intense program for people looking to earn more, people looking to career pivot, people looking to start that side hustle and get that going, people looking to get promoted. So that's a two-month intense program with experts across the globe. The third way we also are able to support is with some of our women's programs where we work with organizations and develop their women uh, talent pool to get them ready for they might be junior to middle management and they're getting ready for that C-suite. Or they might be in the C-suite space but aren't really cultivating their soft skills in a manner that actually helps them in their careers. So we, we tailor make up those programs for them in, um, in, in what it is that they're trying to achieve. And of course, we know because we work across the continent, a lot of our, of our clients tend to be pan-African or small organizations wanting that pan-African perspective. Mm. And um, where women are concerned in terms of, uh, for instance, I, I know that you've just spoken about your clients and where you get your, your, your bigger clientele. Do you, what, what is your, your cap of age? Uh, to say, okay, fine, look, uh, ma'am, you are now 52-ish. We, we, we can't exactly help. Or you are very open to anybody and, and, and any age group. No, we're not ageless. So we work across the board. We've worked with everyone. I think some of our youngest clients have been 12 years old. And some of our oldest clients have been in their 60s. 
and we've helped them career pivot. Uh, you know, one of them, one of our famous stories is helping someone who was in, um, who had just turned, I think, was fifty-two, um, to who was a cleaner. She was worked with her from forty-eight, and we helped her get to the point where she qualified as a teacher and is now head of department. So I think I think a career is your life's work, and if it's your life's work, it only ends the day you pass on. So there's always an opportunity to grow, pivot, change. And I think it's also important for us to realize that the average person will have eight careers in their lifetime. So people are going to be changing and influx constantly throughout their lives and i think you know the idea of perhaps even retirement i think we need, we need to look to the east if we look at japan where there is no such thing as retirement where people are constantly working because they work for them and cultivates them and gives them a, a sense of purpose you've just given me a, a, a light bulb moment i'm going to japan for me i'm really <laughs> going to japan but thank you so much for making time and where can we find you you can find me on all my social media handles it's Vumim Sweli, V for Victory, U, M for Mother, I for India, M for Mother is for Sugar, W-E-L-I. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, feel free to pop me a DM and I will happily um, point you in the direction as how we can support you in your career journey. Thank you so much for joining us on Jets at Breakfast and uh, have a prosperous 2024. Happy 2024. Thank you. Vumim Sweli, CEO of He Said Consulting. And, of course, they do a whole lot of work specializing in commerce acceleration, career coaching, women empowerment, facilitation, and a whole lot more. And literally, they are very pan-African. They're in Nigeria, South Africa, Botswana, Rwanda, uh, Namibia, Ghana. And I'm sure they will be expanding going further. Coming up next, uh, talking to our next guest. And this is the author of Embracing Conflict and Embracing uh, No Works, both with individuals individuals and organizations and i'm speaking to paula uh, quincy engaged humans paula good morning and welcome to jets at breakfast good morning to you and the listeners thanks for having me on your show thank you so much for making time and compliments of the season Thank you. Yes, to a year of 2024, 2020 more, as they're calling it. More abundance, more blessings, more health and more, uh, you know, uh, personal purpose in life. I embrace that totally. So <laughs> how and when, you know, at work, it becomes a little bit of a challenge when you are a manager. It could be a middle manager, top manager. Sometimes you want, you know, to be that popular manager who says yes to everything, but yes to everything does not necessarily work for the organization. How to say no? <laughs> yeah, many people struggle to say no. Um, and there's a number of factors that contribute to that. A la large portion of that does come from our upbringing that shapes and influences us and our behavioral traits. So for example, being a people pleaser, um, not being taught how to put down boundaries and or to push back and say no, because we fear letting people down and disappointing them, or that f fear of rejection and not being accepted or liked by the person or persons that we are interacting and engaging with. So majority of people struggle to say no. So it's learning how to say no uh, without feeling guilty about doing it in the process. Mm. How, how do you say no diplomatically? Because sometimes you know that a no can be very painful. It's normally very yes. painful. 
Yes, it can be. So first of all, from a self point of view, you've got to uh, do the self-work and self-awareness around where is the stemming from? Where is it coming from? Why is it that you struggle to say no? Is it only with specific people or is it with certain situations that trigger you that you feel you can't do this? So there's definitely a level of self-work and self-awareness that comes with this journey. And then learning to say no is in a tactful way is I can't. I'm busy on something right now. I can't help you now, but I can help you later. Is that okay? Or I can't help you today because I've got these priorities, but I can help you tomorrow morning. Is that okay? So you're not saying, no, I'm not going to help you. You're just saying, I can't do it right now because I've got other priorities. Mm. And you focus on seven tips where you confidently say no and you professionally say no. How do you do this? So first of all, you've got to start with the little nose um, and and practicing the small nose. The more you start with the small nose, the more comfortable you get with the bigger nose, right? And saying and, and being more assertive and confident within yourself. So it's building that self-confidence. It's also, um, you know, uh, understanding how when you say yes to everything else and everyone else you're saying no to yourself and you're putting yourself and your own needs last and what can happen is people can tend to become overwhelmed and by taking on too much and that can cause stress and that can cause anxiety and it can also in extreme cases lead to being to to depression so the the seven steps is learning from a self-confidence self-worth and this understanding um you know in equipping yourself how to say yes it's worth with someone professionally like a coach or a mentor or a role model or someone that can help you bounce ideas or bounce the situation off someone so putting support structures around yourself it's helping you to learn how to prioritize in terms of what is important and valuable and what you know and, and your own value system if you are not being true to yourself and living your own values you're not being authentic and that can cause resentment over the long term and um, you know so there's a null number of steps and process that goes through in terms of equipping someone to be able to say no and helping them to prioritize and managing their time more effectively um, as part of this, this journey. I think, you know, for any young managers out there, it is quite a, a challenge because lately um, it seems like, you know, the, the, the employment industry, or should I say the work environment has slightly shifted. You do get young, young individuals managing older people and to say no to an older person just becomes that much more difficult. Indeed. And, you know, this is also where, you know, from a diversity point of view, and we have to take into account all those factors such as, you know, cultural factors or nuances, traditional nuances, uh, etc. You know, and so how do you create an exclusive, inclusive workplace environment and, the, you know, the, the new skills that came up last year and, and skills of the future, especially from a leadership point of view, is empathetic leadership. So how can you be an empathetic leader, but at the same time still get the job done and still deliver on the deliverables because that's what's being expected from you as a manager and a leader and that is where we work with organizations around upskilling their leaders and managers to be, be more equipped to managing people and working with people building their confidence and their assertiveness from a leadership skill but also bringing it across in a in a human way and bringing bringing the human back into the workplace and into our homes as well and 
tell me how then let's say for instance you're you're this young manager and you really want to to strike a balance between the you're saying no and making sure that uh, you're also taken seriously because sometimes when you say no one too many times people find you to be a little bit unsavory but at the same time you need the work done but if you also say yes one too many times they can you know stomp all over you striking that balance yeah Absolutely. And, and the most important thing with leaders is getting to know your people and closing the feedback loop. So, for example, you know, when we say no too many times, but we don't give the feedback, we don't close the loop as to why, why it's no or why it's not can't be done now. You know, as human beings and the way that our brain works is we need context context gives us clarity and clarity gives us understanding. So when we understand and we have context, it makes more sense to us as to why someone is saying, no, they can't do it or they can't help us or we can't do that now. We can't follow that path. Whereas when we don't close the feedback loop, we, there's no context. So it leaves the space open for in, um, ambiguity and interpretation. And when we have an ambiguous situation, we make up all sorts of stories and reasons, which is not necessarily the truth as to why this is happening. And this is, you know, where things can go wrong because there's misinterpretations, assumptions, presumptions. So also equipping people to deal with conflict because we don't like conflict, we avoid it. And to communicate more effectively, whether it's at home, in your personal relationships or in the workplace. Mm. Paula, this um, it's been quite a pleasure chatting to you this morning. Uh, where can we go for more information? You can find me on all the social media platforms um, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And my website is engagedhumans.com or paulaquincy.com. Thank you so much for joining us on Jet Set Breakfast and all the very best for 2024. Thank you and to you and the listeners too. Bye for now.